Let's pray for you guys. Come on up and join us. Father, would you this morning uh, speak through Mark and Helen to us? And uh, Lord, we pray that through this morning we would feel an even greater connection with your worldwide church and uh, with the uh, church in Mozambique. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be here. Uh, thank you to Sheena, our long-term friendship, and to Mark's invitation to be with you today. I feel like I'm a bit out of uniform, uh, being a bishop from a high church background in Mozambique. It reminds me of a story. I like to tell stories, so you have to pardon me. But it reminds me of a story of a, an American who came here to give a lecture and he was taken from city to city by a chauffeur-driven car because the roads aren't straight in England and it's hard for us to find our way around. So he went from city to city uh, giving his talk and by the third or fourth time the chauffeur said, you know, Doc, I've heard this talk so many times, I think I could give it myself. So he said, all right, uh, tomorrow we'll be in Bristol, you give the talk. So the chauffeur dressed up in his tuxedo and uh, gave the talk word for word, gesture for gesture. It was perfect. Standing ovation at the end. And then it was time for questions. And a bright young one stood up in the front and asked the most convoluted question he had ever heard in his life. He had no idea how to respond. And he just looked at her and said, my dear, that is such a simple question. My chauffeur in the back will answer it for me. <laughs> so it's up for you to decide if really I am who I am supposed to be, <laughs> and Helen is as well. We're from Mozambique, and uh, we bring you greetings from the, your brothers and sisters in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We wanted to share a bit about our life there, and because we couldn't bring the whole diocese along with us, we have uh, some slides that we'll talk through as we give some reflections about what God is doing. I chose the verse from St. John's Gospel about the seed of wheat dying and falling to the ground because that's been the history, at least modern history, of Mozambique. A civil war, war for independence, floods, famine, sickness, <laughs> violence a place of great poverty, and a place where God is at work. And we see things happening. So th this is a picture of the continent of Africa. You can see we're part of a province of southern Africa. That arrow shows the line between Lushinga, where we live, and Cape Town, where our archbishop is. It's about 2,500 kilometers away. And this is a map of Mozambique, if you can just keep moving through it. Lishinga is the yellow dot up there. There are two dioceses, Lubombush and Nyasa. Nyasa is where we are, and it's about three times the size of the UK. Uh, we have the same number of members as you do in the Diocese of London, about one-tenth of the clergy, same number of churches. This is the gravesite of Charles Frederick Mackenzie, the first missionary bishop in the Anglican Communion. In 1861, he was sent out to Central Africa to start the church. And this is his gravesite and these reeds 
We found it unattended after about 20 years of neglect during uh, the new independence of Mozambique. Our cathedral church of Misumba, it holds about a thousand people. We don't have any chairs. Uh, we just have benches or bricks that you can sit down in. So you can either bring your own brick or look for one when you get there. And this is our diocesan center of Kuchijinji. Kuchijinji means a place where people meet, a gathering point. And the diocese has a conference center, training center, and uh, our administrative headquarters in this place. Keep going. Our vision is to become a communion of communities in Christ Jesus. Everything we do focuses on our relationship with God in Christ Jesus. And to become a communion of communities, we recognize that we come from a diverse group, particularly in Africa, where we have 14 different languages in our diocese. Portuguese is the national language, but we have many local languages and even more dialects. And we come from urban areas as well as rural areas, and it takes a a recognition that we come from a huge diversity of people, but wanted to be one communion, one gathering in Christ Jesus. Here's the, uh, the bosses of the diocese, the ones that are supposed to serve the others, bishop with his archdeacons, and here are the people that really run the diocese, the women, doing some cooking for a feast. This is uh, nshima, the basic meal that we cook. It's a uh, maize porridge that we mix up and have gone to the next slide. Here are clergy and adeptos at a service in a stadium in Lashinga. Lashinga is the largest city where, where we work, but we don't have a very big church there. The largest church we have can hold about three or 400 people, which is about a quarter of this size. And uh, so we have to use other facilities sometimes. Our vision is based on relationship, as I said. Primarily our relationship to God in worship, then our relationship to each other as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, which we call ministry, and then our relationship to the world, which is what we call mission, focused on the cross. And these pictures that are coming up now are to show you something of what we mean, what it looks like, the church growth that we've been experiencing in the last six or seven years. Um, that first one showed the um, people have actually constructed their own place, their own meeting place in different places. We'll show you some numbers about the church growth soon, but I wanted you to have a visual of that. We make our own bricks. You're going too fast, sorry. Mm. <laughs> we make our own bricks. So when we say we're building churches, we're building churches, the bricks, everything. And even start services before they're finished, um, like that one there that you saw. Can you go Forward. Forward. Okay? Okay? And Milange. This is, um, you'll see there, 110 churches built or renovated between 2004 and 2010. Did you hear that? <laughs> That's pretty amazing. We've had a growth, we've doubled our numbers in these last few years. We've gone from something like 240 churches to 500 and, well, actually it's 25 now, 525, and I'll explain a bit further as we see some other pictures. But it's about the people of God. They're meeting in places, yes, but it's about growing the people of God. 
My work, I'm actually, the, my title is Director of um, Ministry in the Diocese, which means I'm looking after the work that we do within the church, which is the discipling of, of these members. And I hear about new churches growing, and it's sort of, oh, please slow, slow down. So we have a community priest that have just been ordained here. Um, the backbone to it all, I'm very, very proud of the women, is actually the women there. They, they do most of the pastoral work in our diocese. Um, we've had TEE, Theological um, Education by Extension, to try and reach the people that cannot leave their homes, like, like women, to study. And this was one of the courses. When Sheena came out last year, she was actually present at this training session. Um, these are some of our new community priests coming up. Um, they're taken from their communities, supported by their communities, speak the local languages, won't move from their communities, but will be able to then lead the churches that are growing there. And I have a wonderful story about this guy that I don't have time to tell you, but his face tells it all. He has, he's a changed person from when we first knew him, maybe eight years ago, where he was grouchy in it. But look at that face now. <laughs> And women's ministry, this year has been sort of a, a focus to, to, to move women further into leadership. With 65% illiteracy amongst women in northern Mozambique, that is one of the big issues. A lot of our training is very visual, very sort of secular, um, cyclical, and reaching into the women, those that cannot have a, a formal education. She's just there because I like her face. <laughs> Um, next year, I want to focus on children and what we're doing amongst the children. Um, in Mozambique, well, in Africa, they'll say a youth is someone from 12 to 36 years old, which is pretty vast, isn't it? Um, and so we're trying to, next year, divide up the ministry that we will do amongst the different ages. Yeah. So our Sunday school might start under the trees. And I, I, that's in there because I like that too. That's my, one of my goddaughters, that little girl in the middle. And our answer to Ella Fitzgerald in a choir on the lakeshore. <laughs> At the moment, the youth really are the choir members. So we're trying to make, uh, grow our imagination over what youth can do within the church. And the men, I, we also have Bernard Mizeki, which is set up, it's, it's named after um, a Mozambican um, catechist. catechist who, or lay reader, isn't it? Mm -hmm. who, who was killed. Uh, in Zimbabwe, and every year there's this huge meeting. Several thousand Anglicans go to this meeting in Zimbabwe, um, and, and it's a men's, a men's group, similar to the Mother's Union, but for men. The, we said that it's spontaneous growth, and that's because we want to give God the glory for what's happening. This isn't uh, some clever strategy for growing the church or some wonderful design that we've come up with. It's really God's time in Mozambique. And you can see the spirit at work through the country. You may not know the history, but we went through 26 years of war. It ended in 1992, and then took two or three years before the refugees became, came back to resettle the country. Uh, the country was devastated by this war. Poverty is enormous. But, and and in, after independence, the government was very suspicious of the Christian church because the Roman Catholic Church had made an agreement 
with the colonial state. Uh, that was not good for the Mozambican people. And so when Mozambique became independent, Samora Machel, the new president, had a famous saying uh, which said, when you fry fish, you fry the big ones and the small ones in the same pan. And so the Romans and the Anglicans and the Methodists and the Baptists all got fried. And the new government wanted nothing to do with the Christian faith because they saw it as a, a barrier to the development of the Mozambican people. Over the years, their attitude has changed. And so now we're invited to participate in ways that we couldn't have imagined even five or six years ago. And so the time is right for growth. And so this growth is just happening. It's not the priests, it's not, certainly not the bishop or the director of ministry, but God's touching people in amazing ways through other Christian people. Knocking on doors, talking to visitors, uh, talking to neighbors. And uh, one of the most wonderful stories is what we call the miracle of Milange, which is on the border with Malawi. In 1996, there were six congregations there, Anglican congregations. Now we have 185 churches in that area. And this is, the wonderful story about it is, that is where this first bishop in 1861 died, by all uh, measures of failure. He came out, he worked for six months, and he died of malaria, not having converted one person or planted any churches. A complete failure. 140 years later, that seed gave birth to these small churches. And they have doubled and tripled and quadrupled in size. And now 150 congregations meet there, calling themselves Anglicans. The reason it started is they were refugees in Malawi. And there, in their suffering, the Malawians gave them parcels of their gardens to grow some food. And when there was a death in the family, the mothers from the church came to visit, to offer pastoral care, to cry with them, to mourn, and to share some of the love of God. And they said, who are you? Why do you care about us? We're not family members. And they said, well, we're members of the Mother's Union. You're, you're important to God. And they said, we want to be a part of this group too. So the women joined. And through the women, the men, and then the children. And that's how these small congregations started. But I want to see... Oh, can you hold on? <laughs> I'm just seeing that top picture there is um, the clergy in one of the areas that we're hoping will become its own um, area, fairly so its own diocese fairly soon. And there's just two of those priests in there. The one in the middle in the blue check... He is just, he is what we call a community priest. So he's from that area. And in the time that he has been ordained, which is four, five years, mm -hmm. 26 churches where he is now. And all he has is a bike that goes between these churches. It's a massive area that he, he covers. And then the guy who's, who's on the right there at the back, he, he is now looking after 50 churches. One priest looking after 50 churches. You're not going, ooh. <laughs> it's thousands of people coming into the one area without the leadership there, which means that it's the lay laity that is, is leading these, these communities. Yeah, we have 500 churches, 50 ordained ministers. 
which means 90% of our worship is led by lay people. And that's, had, that's a big change uh, for how an Anglo-Catholic Anglo tradition has to work. These, these divisions don't really work for us in Mozambique. You can't really say Anglo-Catholic, Evangelical, Liberal. We're everything put together. We're charismatic because we're Africans. Uh, we're Evangelical because the scripture is the focus of our teaching. And we're Catholic because we love swinging incense around and liturgy and dancing and bishops wear tallest mitres you can find and uh, copes and capes and whatever else we can find to put on for the day. It's a celebration, worship, a mad, chaotic celebration of praise of God. And because we don't have enough ordained ministers, lay people have taken on leadership roles. And we've affirmed that and recognized them in their leadership roles. Tried to offer some training, which is what Helen doing. You know, these community priests often only have third or fourth grade education. But they are full of the Spirit and have a passion to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we authorize them by laying on of hands and say, go. go. And the church has grown. But something that happens when the church is led by the non-ordained, is something like this. You, maybe, can you see this sign? This is uh, just before you start the ascent to our cathedral, and it's a beautiful sign, and to me just epitomizes what we have come to call integrated mission. You don't do mission and you don't do ministry. It's part of the whole thing. You're doing it together, and we overlap in our departments and everything. But here you can see it says, Welcome to the happy bar, <laughs> which is behind the sign, and then bracketed together we've got the Anglican church, the health center, the, and the two schools that are up the hill there. So it's all bracketed together, do you see? And then the final one, you can't read, but it's um, the football club. So, so to me, integrated mission, that's where the church is. The church is in every single part of those places because it's the people. And, and there is no contradiction at all to be doing one or the other or more into that or more into the other. It's, it's part of the whole thing. Can we go forward? And we had to decide how we were going to work in community. Uh, traditionally, the church had done projects, offered services to communities. And as we looked at that as, as a people, we realized that that's really not who we are. We're not probably very able to do that because we don't have a lot of professionals, technical people. But we are community. And so we decided to be who we were. And instead of offering projects and service, we say we are the community and we can help facilitate change from within. So try to promote development through the presence of the Christian church in a community by developing ourselves. And so the first thing we do is look for resources locally. Because there is a, a problem of romanticizing the poor and feeling so sorry for them. Poverty is a horrible evil. But poor people are people just like any other people. And they have dignity and they have skills and there are opportunities for even the poor to give. We say the same when we talk about parish share and trying to support the work of the church in an area. Even the poor can give. In fact, we have a lot to give, not always cash, but we have time, we have abilities, we have passion, 
and we have this great love of God and a chance to offer that to each other. And it is the people of our churches who are behind the community development work and community health work that is happening. These two t-shirts have been produced by two of the um, health projects, except they're not projects, it's, it's a whole way of life. Um, the first one, the project of um, Salt Light and Health, which is being run. We've got two superstars working with the diocese. They're, they're both um, in health work. Uh, one received um, an MBE from the Queen last year um, for her work in community health on the Lakeshore, and that's a that T-shirt. You can see she's the only doctor working amongst 30,000 people. Um, and the reason she can do it is because of the voluntary work, and it's voluntary 24-7 by our church members who are working in health. Um, absolute examples of to, to every church in this world. Mm. Um, and the other one, Eshkolia, uh, Choose Life, is, is our diocesan motto, really, for, for how we approach HIV um, and AIDS, which is slowly growing, although whether it's because uh, people are just get being tested and, and the knowledge is there, I'm not sure wonderful program going throughout the whole of our diocese um, and because of stigma it's actually branched out now so that the training isn't just in HIV and prevention and sexual behavior and things like it's it's more um, so that they are digging wells uh, for clean water for communities they're helping orphans within the communities it is not our our policy along with the government to actually put children into orphanages it's to keep them in their communities and help the communities with their, the traditional African responses to keep the children with, the, with you with, with relatives, with extended family and help that community uh, which is what we want to which we are doing with, with uh, agricultural programs water um, and working with orphans I talked through a few slides yeah, there, sorry. <laughs> uh, advocacy and issues of justice is another area that the church has provided an opportunity for the poor to be heard. From very simple things like the school teacher uh, comes to work drunk on a regular basis. The community uh, therefore doesn't have the, the opportunity for their children to be educated. So they make that known and through the channels we can t contact government agencies, and that teacher was removed. And so the community felt really empowered because they did something about this bad behavior, and it made a difference in their own lives. And so the next step was to be more involved in doing something new, like a water project. Same with the floods. Uh, the Mother's Union were very involved in handing out things. The way we started was to hand out supplies. We soon realized, well, there's, there's no end to that because there's always going to be another flood. And we started to change our approach to help communities see how they could uh, prevent damage, move away from the flood zones to build their houses on higher land, and then uh, resort, uh, have better production by farming the good land but living above. Go to the next slide, please. But we want to just do a quick reality check. Want to read the slides, hey? Yeah, great things happening. But in this reality, under five mortality, one in seven in, in our diocese. The undernourished at 47%. Absolute poverty, which means people living under less than a dollar a day, 
The UN still counts Mozambique as the seventh poorest country in the world, and at the end of the war, it was the third poorest in, back in 1992. Life expectancy, this is actually wrong. It should be 37, but I, maybe that's too shocking. I should, yeah. 37 is the life expectancy in Mozambique at the moment. And we went back in, we, we have been there since, we have been in Mozambique, me, since uh, 1989 and Mark since 1987. We met there, married there, which was that first picture, uh, 21 years ago. And um, Mark was elected as the bishop in 2003. It's an election outside of England. You're not appointed by the government or the queen or, it's an election by the people. And we went in 2003. 2004, this was just a general picture of Lishinga. This is a different part of Lishinga, true, but just to see the urbanization that's happening very rapidly in um, our provincial town where we live. And still the difficulties of mission marks, particularly that the road to the cathedral during the rainy season is that. You have to get on, on a canoe and go across this very fast flowing it's got, um, river with crocodiles in there in places <laughs> to get to the cathedral. And I have coined the, the phrase that all these new churches are, are growing in at the end of every goat track. I wish they'd just keep to the towns, but at the end of every goat track. So you have to go on roads like that to get to actually the majority of our churches. And a traditional um, Yao, which is traditionally Muslim village, um, right near Lashinga. And you'll see... Um, that there are, if you were to look at the statistics as they are today about the different religions that are dominating different parts of Mozambique, there's a huge evangelism need still. Um, in the north, Nyasa and Cabo Delgado, those two top ones, which, um, provinces which border Tanzania, are um, heavily Muslim. Where we are is 65, 69% Muslim. Our town is 69% Muslim. Um, and yet, if you go down to Maputo, it's very, very small, 3% Muslim down there. So we're, we're, the two dioceses are dealing with very different contexts. Um, also, Zambezia, which is one of our provinces bordering the, 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 the river Zambezi, um, is very traditional. Um, very, um, it has been very influenced by the Catholic Church from, from the Portuguese times, um, and it's very heavily populated there. African traditional religion is what that is, and, and every church, every denomination is dealing with people living with a foot in two different worlds. They talk about being a Christian during the day and a, a traditionalist at night. There is still really important times in people's lives, such as births and deaths, where there is a very close connection and can be with traditional ways of dealing with that as well as Christian ways. So I think it's one of our greatest challenges is, is dealing with that, that change that comes with new life. Our church has only been there 150 years. And if you think about it, how long was it in Britain before we could actually say a certain Christian culture had been taken on? And um, it's not just our church because the Muslims say the same thing because they're also quite new there. So they say there's, there's, there's the whole bridging there. So we have witch doctors still very powerful in, in our um, local villages and things. I want to just say very briefly the, the stories of these two people. The one on the left was a witch doctor 
And um, we had a, a, a wonderful experience last September when we went down to the Lausanne Conference in, in Cape Town. And on the way back, Mark and I decided, well, we just... Of course, our diocese, would, we need healing in our diocese. So we were praying much more for people to be healed and things. And we got to this one church, and I, I recognized this guy because he was wearing this bright blue, you can't really see it, jacket. And he just stood out. But his, he was just focused on both what Mark said and I said. And then at the end, he came forward and he gave his life to Christ. And, and Mark had this massive baptism. It was almost throwing water around and he was baptized and everything. Afterwards, we heard his story. And um, I've cut out a lot of this story because it's, it's, it's a beautiful story. I'll write it one day. <laughs> it was beautiful. He had been a witch doctor and he had decided that day that he was going to start a new life. And he had been told for two years in dreams that he, his life wasn't good by this bright white light that had been speaking in his dream. And from what we were saying that day, he, he recognized that as Jesus speaking to him, and he, he changed his life around. And for me, that means that a village has been healed, not just one person, but he's not practicing his craft anymore. So a village and an area. And this other guy, this young guy on the right here, sitting next to one of our archdeacons, is 22. And in January, again at the Lausanne Conference, we publicized the fact that this young guy had been through this training with YWAM, and he now wanted to go and evangelize where his parents live in this remote area in Zambezia. But he needed support to do that, and he's asking for something like 100 It's about £100 a month. That's all he's asking to go and do this. Since then, this was January, since then he's, he has planted 15 churches. 15 churches. He's following our Rooted in Jesus program, which is a discipleship program for two years. And the first part of it definitely focuses on knowing Jesus, and he's done that. And the process is that after that, those people in that group can then start their own groups. And they've planted churches like that. And a church can be, he says he's got between 30 and 100 people in each of those communities. 15 of them, though, a 22-year-old guy. And there is no ordained person in that area yet. His archdeacon's 100 k's away. 100, I don't know, convert that to miles. He's, he's that far away, so they, they haven't organized it in any way that you might see as a traditional church just yet. Leadership. Uh Formation is one of the challenges. <clears throat> the reason that there's an American bishop and an English wife in Mozambique is because there was a vacuum of leadership after the war. So one of the priorities that we have is to raise up new leaders to lead the church locally. And uh, it's a challenge. Uh, of these four sitting here, one has died uh, from an illness, one has left the ministry, one had enormous social problems. Only one of these clergy is still working with us in the diocese. There are many challenges uh, that we face in that. A group of uh, priests being uh, in a meeting. We can just go through the slides quickly. See some pictures, please. Helen loves the pictures of the lake. We're, we're enticing you to, to send a group over to come and see. Not during the rainy season where you have to take a canoe through the crocodiles, but during the dry season. You know, it's uh, building up the age-old foundations. In the foreground is our church, which got wiped out through a storm. But behind it, we built a school. 
We didn't have any money to build a church. We did it ourselves with local materials, so it didn't withstand the storm and the wind. But we had some money from abroad to build a school. It's made with burnt bricks, and it's withstood the... And now the church meets in the school, and uh, kids have a place to study. We can go through Helen's sure. Lakes. <laughs> go ahead, please. It is a beautiful, beautiful place in the world, isn't it? This, keep, that was just from the conference last year that we went to where they entitled it Reaching Heaven, Touching Earth. And when I saw our, our uh, incense burning like that in the cathedral, it just spoke to me. Next one. Multiplication. Because of all this growth, Next. Uh, we now believe uh, God's calling us to form more dioceses. Uh, the organizational structure of the Anglican Church, instead of one, to become three. Uh, and what we see is, as we give the chance for people to lead, maybe you've seen this in your own situation, people just rise to it. Where opportunity is provided uh, for people to lead and to use the gifts that God has given us, uh, it causes a ripple effect and, in the church. And so we want to multiply not only congregations, but also parishes and archdeaconries and dioceses. And this is sort of the, what's happened, what we see happening. A clear vision, which we believe and hope is from God, uh, which gives hope to the poor, a sense of dignity. That is renewing the church, that it, and the, the leadership is feeling like they're, they're able to be free to move on. But there is this big God movement that seems to be happening that we just can't put a finger on. It's the grace of God. Can you go to the last one? And one of our churches. Joining in with what God's doing, that's, that's the way I've come to see mission in, in our diocese. If, if God is there, there was something in, in the reading just now which talked about you, you need to be where God is. What did you You need to be where God is. And, and that's what it feels like. We don't have all the answers to why things are happening. But God is, is moving. And join in. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, there's uh, an invitation to us, isn't there? If ever there was one. There's, uh, a, the church in Mozambique is on a growth curve. And uh, we as a church have an opportunity to be part of that and to partner that.